if you go ahead and turn to Hebrews 11, we're going to go there, and then we're also going to go to Genesis 12. So Hebrews 11 and Genesis 12, we'll start in Hebrews 11, we'll jump over to Genesis 12. I have a word from the Lord for you tonight, and I'm even seeing faces in the crowd that I don't normally even see on Wednesday night, and I want to tell you, you're not here by accident. You are here to hear what I feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to our church right here at the precipice of our 21-day fast. And that will begin tomorrow, and that will go to January 31st, which is also a Wednesday. So on January 31st, that night, we were going to have a prayer, praise, and worship, and healing night. And just a time of seeking God. We'll come together, worship God. And if you happen to be fasting food, then... You can go out to eat. Go somewhere good. Don't, don't fast for 21 days. And uh, if you said, man, I've never done a fast before, we're going to talk about those things tonight. But I want to begin tonight by telling you about a dream that I had a few years ago that really kind of gave me the inspiration for what I want to talk about. Everybody say foundation. Foundation. We're going to talk about foundations. We're going to talk about altars tonight. We're going to talk about laying a foundation for 2024 And there's no better way to lay a proper foundation for what God would like to change and do for the rest of the year in your life than to fast something. And fasting just simply, you're not fasting in order to bend God's arm to get him to do what you want him to do. Even though I'm sure when you go into the fast, I hope you have a goal. I hope you have things that you're seeking God on. Those are all very important. But I do not fast in order to try to get God to do what I want to do. I fast to get closer to Jesus. And I found a huge key in my life that I want to share with you tonight, that if, if you have the proper foundation under you, you will, in 2024, having grown more than maybe what you've grown in years before. I had a dream about six years ago, maybe it was five, six years, I was trying to find where I'd written it down and wasn't able to find it, but I do remember it very vividly still to this day. And I was in the sanctuary here, and we were having a wonderful service, and God was beginning to move, and things were starting to happen. And I was standing somewhere up around here, I believe, and as I was standing here, the, the floor began to give way, and almost like giant sinkholes were sinking down into the ground. And I became the only person that I remember recognizing in the dream is Bill Spencer. And so I looked at Bill, and I said, Bill, what did you do? <laughs> He said, nothing. And when I woke up and began to pray, the Holy Spirit plainly spoke to me, and he said, the foundation in this church needs to be rebuilt. Never shared that publicly. Shared it with a few uh, trusted people and, of course, my pastor. And the Lord reminded me of that dream today. Because how many know and understand, I've never built a house, but I have watched large buildings go up, in particular, uh, roughly probably about 13 years ago now, 12, 13 years ago. My church back in Louisiana that I was associate pastor at, they built a new sanctuary. And my pastor at the time, he had just severely broken his leg riding motorcycles with teenagers. So the moral of that story, don't ride motorcycles with teenagers. Through the woods, a dirt bike, they were on four-wheelers. He had to lay it over, and when he laid it over, the bike came down on his bottom part of his leg and broke both the bones. Here's the kicker. We were just going into a $4.5 million building. The, the building of it. So I, I'll never forget this. He was laid up, and the men showed up to do the foundation of the building that they were going to begin to build, and he wasn't there. So I excused myself from my office. I saw him on the camera pull in, so I went out back, and I started to take pictures 
of the work that they began to do. And I was amazed because in the process of that building that went up, they spent more time on the foundation than they did any other part of the building. And I've never been part of building a house, but if I did build a house and I invited you guys over for a housewarming, I doubt if you would be like, you would look at the walls and the decor and the lights and the the, the ceiling, you know, the ceiling and the flooring and everything else. Nobody goes into a house and says, hey, dig up the corner so I can see the foundation, right? But the foundation is the most important part of the house. Because if the foundation is not set properly, if we aren't focused on the right things going into this new year, then we're not going to be able to build what God wants to build. And I don't mean in a natural way. I'm talking about in a spiritual way, of course. I remember it was probably really annoying to these men working because I was just excited that the building was started. I was taking videos for my pastor and texting them to him and looking at everything. And I was absolutely amazed at how deep that they went down to put the footers because they weren't just footers. These, these steel beams that these steel iron workers had come in and started to, to erect and put up I watched them pour the portion where they were going to attach these steel beams. I remember looking down into the hole and being absolutely amazed at how deep these things were. And I began to question and ask. I'm sure they were thrilled to have me stand there asking dumb <laughs> questions. They were probably like, will this dude leave so we can work and doesn't even have a hard hat on, you know? But I asked them a question and I said, man, that, does, that seems unusual to go that deep to put up a building this size. And they said, well, after Katrina, all the building codes changed. Yeah. I'll never forget what he looked at me and said. He said, you know, when they forecast stronger storms ahead, then you have to change the way you build your foundation. In church, I want to begin to lay out to you tonight that God desires for you to build an altar. Everybody say altar. altar. God desires for you to build an altar because... This time of year is a time of year where we, of course, all start to focus on change, right? Right. In other words, we want to alter our life, A-L-T-E-R, when God wants us to alter our life, A-L-T-A-R. Are you following me so far? Because everybody wants to alter their life heading into the new year. It's the why that people who work out 12 months out of the year don't go to the gym in January. They don't go to the gym in January because it's packed with people that are going to work out for four weeks. You see, when we go into a new year, we say, God, I want there to be some things that are altered in my life. I want some things to change. I want to have a better marriage. I want my family to be closer. I want my job to go better. I want these things to happen. But I'm going to tell you tonight an important key that we're going to find in the life of Abraham. And I'll probably extend this out into next week. And then leading up to our our end of our fast, our 21-day fast. And you may say, Pastor, I don't really know what to fast. The way that I choose what to fast is I first begin by asking the Holy Spirit. I begin to pray and say, God. And then I begin to identify in a very simple, realistic, natural way, what is it that eats up most of my time? Do I spend a lot of time on TV? Then that's probably what you should choose to turn off. Here's the thing. Fasting is setting aside time to spend more time with God. And building an altar is simply that. It's getting into the presence of God. It's building. When Abraham comes out of Ur of the Chaldeans, God calls him. God lays his hand on him. 
God says, Abraham, Abram at the time, here in Genesis 12, the beginning of it, he says, Abram, I want you to get up from where you are, and I'm going to send you to a land that you are going to possess and inherit. It's a, it's a land that is going to be for your children and your children's children and your descendants that will be more numerous than the sands on the seashore. And I have made a promise to you. And he says to Abraham, he says, and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And by the way, God doesn't break promises. That is still in effect today. Yes. Are you hearing me? Yes. And he says these things to him. So let's look in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to jump over to 13. I'm going to read about five or six scriptures here. But tonight I want to talk about this very thing. That we pay more attention to the foundation. And when we pay attention to the foundation, this is a great time of year as you go into your fast at the beginning of 2024 to check the foundation. Just like that dream that I had where God was just alerting me. And the beautiful thing about that dream is I didn't, I wasn't alarmed. I was alarmed when I first woke up. But when I began to pray and began to process it, I just simply knew that God sometimes have to, has to give me something very dramatic. Anybody else this way? It's kind of dramatic and it shakes you a little bit. And then you begin to pray because I quickly came to the scripture where it says in the word of God, unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. So whether that's a church and the functioning of a church as me as a pastor leader, the functioning of my family and the foundations in my family, in my personal life to check the foundations in Genesis, and first go to Hebrews. You guys in Hebrews, I forgive me. Hebrews, <laughs> Hebrews 11. Thought I forgot, didn't you? Yeah. Hebrews 11, then Genesis 12. I hope you maybe put your finger over there in Genesis 12, flip over to Hebrews 11. And if you find Hebrews 11, say amen. amen. I, I looked at probably 12 different translations of this scripture, and I settled on the message version. I use that occasionally because I just love the way it laid it out. We're starting in uh, actually in verse 8, Hebrews 11, verse 8. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. By an act of faith, he lived in the country, promised him, lived as a stranger, camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it by keeping his eye on an unseen city with real, eternal foundations. The city designed and built by God. By faith, Baron Sarah was able to become pregnant, old woman as she was at the time, because she believed the one who made a promise would do what he said. That's how it happened, that from one man's dead and shriveled loins, there are now people numbering in the millions. Heavenly Father... As always, I humble myself and bow my heart and my head before you to ask you to be my helper tonight. The Lord, anything said of Jason Hanks, let it fall by the wayside. But whatever said under the unction and anointing of your Holy Spirit, Father, I pray tonight that it would go into the hearts of these people and grow fruit, fruit that remains. Lord, we love you tonight, and we thank you for the reading of your word and the change that it brings into our hearts and lives. Thank you, God, for your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. The reason we fast and pray is not just to improve our lives, although it will have that effect. The reward of prayer and fasting is not an answer to your prayer. The reward of fasting is Jesus himself. Because what I desire to do for these next three weeks, and I hope you join me in that desire of our fast, is help you understand a very important key to change. And we want to alter our lives, A-L-T-E-R, And God is saying, I want you to alter 
your life. A-L-T-A-R. So that's my title tonight. Don't alter your life. Alter your life. And what does it mean to put God first? Some of you said at the beginning of the year here that, man, God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to put you at the very center and prioritize my life, and I'm going to revolve my life around you. But we all know that the best intentions can sometimes, by life's happenstance and the busyness and all the things that we start to get into, we can begin to just even drift away, even in the first few weeks of January, from a strong commitment at the beginning of the year to say, God, I'm going to seek you like never before. If I had to say what God is saying to this church and the church in general, is simply this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. That scripture was written to the church. We use that as an evangelistic scripture, and there's nothing wrong with that. It could certainly apply in that realm. But really what Jesus is saying is, don't keep me on the outside, but let me on the inside. And we have as diverse amount of reasons and issues you're seeking God about this year as there are people in this room. When you go into a fast, each one of us are seeking God for something different and something that we're asking him for. And so how do we build an, how do we have an altered life by making our lives on an altar before him? Here's what the word altar means. Altar means, A-L-T-E-R, means a change or transformation. How many would like to see a change and transformation in your life, your family, and this community? Absolutely. The word altar, A-L-T-A-R, means a raised platform built to offer sacrifices and pray. So, in other words, it's a consecrated place of pursuit. The altar, see, we want to alter our lives. We want change. We want to move forward with God. We want to see him do everything that he desires to do, his promises to come into fulfillment in our lives. But oftentimes we are trying to alter our lives in our own power. And I came to tell you a key tonight is don't worry so much about trying to alter your life, A-L-T-E-R, but build him an altar in your life through prayer, fasting, worship, and reading his word and seeking him like never before. And you will see more change come into your life by accident than you ever could on purpose. Because when you... Build an altar, you're saying to God, God, I can't really figure all this out. When God gave me that dream, it alarmed me because I thought, Lord, how am I going to repair something that I don't even know exactly which direction to head? And the Holy Spirit just came and said, continue to lay lay your life down to me. Continue to pray and believe that I will do what I said I would do. In other words, when Abram left Ur the Chaldeans, we're going to look at here, and we are going to get in Genesis 12, so get there. When he left out of there, he had a promise, but he did not possess the promise yet. And some of you have a promise from God that you have not seen the fulfillment of yet. And just like Abraham continued to stop, there's three places in the Word of God that that in his journey, in the promise that God had, and think about this for a minute as we read this here in a moment. This is... As I read it, it just lit me up because I'm like, wow, this is amazing. It says very clearly in the first part of Genesis 12 that Abraham had increased, or 13 rather, Abraham had increased in flocks, gold, and silver. And you would think, I know what we would do as American Christians if we increased in flocks and gold and silver. We would build a bigger house and buy more cars, wouldn't we? Absolutely we would. 
And Abraham wasn't so concerned about the blessing that God had put upon his life. He was worried about building an altar of sacrifice and praise and worship to his God. And who would continue to wonder through a promised land that he didn't actually possess, because it says here in Genesis that the land was filled with Canaanites. In other words, it was filled with the enemies of the promise of God right in front of him. And he stops and he builds an altar in that place. So look at Genesis 12, verse 8. And this is the New King James Version. From there, and of course, it starts off by talking about God bringing him out of where he was, putting at this point in verse 8, he's in the promised land. He's, he's going through the promised land, and he stops here in verse 8 and says, From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then, verse 9, Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. Now turn over to chapter 13. The first four verses. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier, and and where he had first first built an altar. So he's revisiting an altar. He's revisiting a place. Sometimes the best thing that some of you could do here at the beginning of 2024 is revisit a place of God's faithfulness where he's been faithful to you before. Revisit a place, an altar. He comes back into the land. He has now increased in wealth. He has increased. In other words, God has blessed him. God has increased him. And what does he do? He doesn't go and begin to build a big opulent house. He goes back and builds an altar. One more verse. Verse 18. So Abram went to live near the great tree of Mamre at Hebron where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. So, Abraham is called the father of our faith. And we see this. He is wealthy, herds, gold, and silver. He lives in tents, but he's known as an altar builder. He lives in temporary dwelling places, but he builds permanent places in pursuit of God. And he builds at least three altars. He leaves Ur of the Chaldeans. He goes into the promised land. And as soon as he enters into the promise of God that God said he would give to him, what does he, is he instructed to do? He's instructed to build an altar. Abraham didn't have anything in his possession where he had, when he had set out. But listen, Abraham did have a promise. You may be sitting here tonight and say, I don't have the possession of the promise that God has promised me yet. But can I tell you what a key is? Maybe God's waiting for you to build an altar. He built an altar before he ever possessed the promise because he knew in his heart that even though maybe I don't see the promise coming to pass yet, I know that my God is faithful and he's still worthy of building an altar to his great name. He would rather wander around in the promise worshiping God than to be out of the promise not worshiping God. Wealthy. He chooses to live in temporary dwelling places. Just think of the spiritual analogy of that. Church, we are just passing through. This is a temporary place for us. We are not to 
necessarily put our roots down so deep that God couldn't disrupt our lives in some area. He chose to live in temporary dwelling places. Abraham Abraham chose to dwell in the temporary, uncomfortable place that had the promise of God rather than in the place of no promise that he would have been comfortable. I'll say it again. Are you listening to me? Abraham chose to dwell in the temporary, uncomfortable place that he had the promise rather than in the place of no promise that he would have been comfortable. I said it Sunday. Comfort has destroyed more Christians than difficulty has. Because we all know the routine. When things get tough, when things get difficult, that's when you are fasting. That's when you are praying. That is when you are at these altars building an altar to God saying, God, I can't figure this out and I don't know what to do. Listen, honey, that is the best place to be. Because you would rather be not knowing what is around the corner and right up close to God than dwelling in a place of comfort and dwelling in the place where you know everything is figured out. Because I want to in 2024, I want my life to be altered, but I want my life to be altered in a way that I build altars to God to glorify His name. Are you tracking with me tonight? Anybody else try to DIY your life? (laughs) Oh, I'm the king of bad DIYs, y'all. You could come to my house and be amazed at how much stuff I've messed up. I've told this story before, but it applies so succinctly to foundations, altars, and buildings. That at one time, and I'll give you the Reader's Digest version, I decided that we needed more room in our house. We lived in about a 1,300-square-foot house. We had had our second child. They're beginning to get bigger and have friends over and all this. And I'm like, Leah... We love our little neighborhood. We love our little house. So why don't we just take our carport and turn it into a room? What she didn't know is really it was a man cave for me to get away from the kids and live. That's really what was going on. But I had her kind of, we'll make it a playroom. The kids can hang out in there, kind of go in there. The problem with wanting to take in my carport and have extra room is I have no ability to build a carport and take in an extra room. So contacted a good friend of mine at church. He was actually here during the hurricane helping us out named Brett Silas. I said, Brett, do you do this type of work? I knew he was did construction work. And he said, oh, absolutely. I'll come by. Long story short, he comes over. We'll do this. We'll take, take this in. We'll make this a wall. We'll put windows here. We'll put the door right here. I said, this is exactly what I was thinking. And the long and short of the story is that I, again, have no ability to actually help him, and I felt bad that I couldn't help him. I was paying him to do it, but at night, I would go out and help. (laughs) I saw around my door that the drywall wasn't up yet, and he hadn't put the insulation in. So I saw these little areas that looked like they could use some insulation, and I thought, I'll go down to the hardware store and get some of that spray foam. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm squirting it in there, and it goes in and it puffs out. And a smart man would have said, let's wait till that dries and take a razor and cut it. I took my hand. I don't know if you've ever gotten spray foam on your hand. That is not what you want to do. No. So the next day, my hand's all black from spray foam. He comes in and he's like, what'd you do? Because I'm helping. He said, stay out of here. You see, some of you get in the midst of what God's doing, and you think you can help. Let me tell you what you do. You build an altar. 
If you want to alter your life in 2024, build an altar to God. Because at the end of the day, you really have no ability to renovate your own soul in life. Because I'll tell you, any kind of growth that I've ever had, any kind of answered prayers, any kind of blessing that this man has ever walked through in my life, it had nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. I had a neighbor stop by like a week later. He pulls in and never seen him before, but I was walking out my front door and saw the car pull in, so I walked around and he introduced himself. He said, I'm around the corner. He said, we're thinking of doing the same thing. I said, cool. I said, come on in. You can look around, you know, maybe get some ideas. And the whole time that I'm showing him the room, I'm saying, I, 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 I'm putting a wall in. I'm putting windows. He saw the electrical outlets, and he's like, you know, using 220. I said, 220, 221, whatever it takes. (laughs) Some of you will get that later. You will. He kind of looked at me funny. I swear, he looked at me like, cool. And don't, but don't we do that often? Yes. I'm doing so good. I'm walking in the blessings of God. Honey, listen, any kind of blessings that you have are from Him. And we all get into that do-it-yourself thing, especially at the beginning of the year. And I don't know, if you've if you ever been in a house that's a, I have been in several between 70 and 100 years old? Yes. You've been in a house. What amazes me is how small the rooms yeah. and how small the closets are. Because yes. yeah. as American Christians especially, we have convinced ourselves that we need bigger, we need better, we need more. I've been in those houses and talked to the people who owned them 70 years ago, and they're like, we raised 19 kids in this house. I'm like, What? Listen, their closet may have been small, but their hearts were big and full. And we have definitely lost track of what it really means to have a full life. Because most of you have related your 2024 to whatever big blessing that God's going to drop in your lap. And he's so good, he's going to do it. He will, he's good. But sometimes we need to step back and understand that when it comes to building an altar to God, An altar is a place where we lay things that are precious to us even upon them at times and dedicate them back to God because when you understand that he is the fount of whom all blessing flows. And Abraham knew this. Abraham knew in the deepest part of his heart that even though he continued, I don't know if you've ever tent camped. Anybody ever tent camped? Yeah, Lee and I went like once. It rained the whole time, and we're like, ah, we're going to go tent camp anymore. We'll go glamping. Give me, a, give me a cottage. You know, give me something already structured. But I, I camped my entire youth. Teenager growing up, I spent 90% of my time outdoors running the woods with camouflage on, acting like a crazy person. But here's Abraham, literally, in the, he's, he's walking in and on the promise of God, but he hasn't seen the complete fulfillment of it yet. And... Maybe most people would start to be like, God, you said you were going to give me this. God, you said you were going to give me this. And instead of complaining about it, he built altars. Which altars means that God, even though maybe I haven't seen the fulfillment of the promise, you're still good and I'm still going to worship you. Even though I still haven't seen my kid change, God, you're still good and I'm still going to worship you. 
God, even though you're, you're bubbling up and bringing the fire into my life in 2024 and things are bubbling up that I wasn't expecting to bubble up, wow, that's in me. He's still good and you can still build an altar to him. Because yes. God comes to Abraham at one point, amazingly. Comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I am your shield and your covering, your exceedingly great reward. But wait, God, you had promised me land. Do you understand that even if you haven't seen the promise, if God comes to you and says, but you still got me, you've got everything. You've got it all. Don't do that on your anniversary, by the way. I tried that one time. (laughs) He's like, what'd you get me? I'm like, me. She's like, you better get to Jared's right away. Let me give you these real quick. And, buddy, if you go ahead and come, I'm going to go through these quickly. And here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to build an altar. We're going to build an altar in this place through worship and consecration going into our 21-day fast. We're going to end tonight. You can come up around the front. You can stay where you are. But I want you to hear the word of the Lord tonight. That if you want your life to be altered in 2024, you're going to have to build an altar to him. An altar means a place of sacrifice. So tonight, before you go to bed, ask the Holy Spirit, what over the next 21 days do you want me to lay aside? Not because you're trying to bend God's arm to get something, because you're saying to God, Jesus, you are the exceedingly great reward. Because I got a key for you. When you get Him, you get everything. We have mistakenly bought into a lie in this country, especially, that... The pursuit of happiness is what we're looking for. And so many people have bought into that lie that they think that the next bigger car or the next big pay raise or the next big thing that happens to them is some kind of stamp that God is with them. And that is not true. Listen to me. No matter what your circumstance is, if you have God, you have joy. You have peace. You have every answer. You don't have to have it all figured out. That you can't build him an altar. Quickly, here's the three things. Number one, how do we follow in Abraham's footsteps of building an altar? Number one, you pay the price of priority. You pay the price of priority. What's that? Saying no to the many things so that you can say yes to the one most important thing. Stack some stones and make an altar over these next 21 days. This is fasting, giving up some things so that we can focus on the one thing. Time stealers. Pastor, what do I fast? What takes your time away from God? Some of you, the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is you grab that phone and you start looking at what you missed on Facebook or Instagram. Oh, you hear me? And that's probably what God is asking you to lay aside so that you can put your focus on the priority, which is Him. You'll see your life altered when you build an altar of priority to God. And if you're sitting there and like, man, 50 hours a week of work is taking up too much of my time, I'm going to go ahead and go, no, 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 Chief, come on. (laughs) No, 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 no. We're talking about things that are time stealers that we can lay aside. Does that make sense to you tonight? Number two. To build an altered life, you do it by pursuit. Everybody say pursuit. 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 If you choose and say, I'm going to fast the next 21 days and I'm going to give up 
some food that I like or something like that. Listen, that's usually how I do a fast, and I don't, I don't do that out of natural hunger. I do that out of spiritual hunger. Because yes. laying aside those things and fasting will begin to build an altar in your life that will absolutely create a hunger in your life. Because God is a God of intimacy. Everybody say intimacy. And as we begin to worship here in a moment and begin to build an altar in this place and consecrate ourselves for the fast of the next 21 days, and I believe even the Holy Spirit may speak to you in these next few moments of worshiping here at the end. But the other day, Lee and I had a sudden and unexpected knock at the door. And I don't know about you, but when you get an unexpected knock at the door, you're like, whoa. I looked at Lee and said, are you expecting somebody? He said, no. So then what do we begin to do? We begin to think the house is, we were taking down Christmas stuff and had stuff all over the place. I've been, I've been doing it yourself or already. I've been ripping up carpet rooms. I don't have anybody put it down. I'm just ripping up. I can rip out with the best of them, y'all. I can. I've been doing that. I've been working and everything was a mess. And when Jesus comes and knocks on the door of your heart and he's asking you to build an altar for him, you probably think the same thing that I began to think. My house is too dirty to let anybody in. Can I tell you tonight? He knows what's on the other side of that door of your heart. He does. But he's still knocking on the door. The outside looks good. And we're good, we're good about that as Christians, aren't we? We come in all sparkly and suits and ties and all dressed and ready for church. But on the inside, there's something going on, right? So why will we not let Jesus in to build an altar, to lead us on a place to be altered in this new year? We just think our house is too dirty. It's, it's too messed up for Jesus to ever actually do anything with. Or some of you say, as I've been talking tonight, you say, ah, my house is fine. Nothing wrong. Doing good. Everything's good. My altars are good. It's, that's probably the most dangerous place to be because I think Jesus can really deal with somebody that admits to him there's some stuff in my heart that shouldn't be there rather than somebody that just continually goes around saying, and I said it Sunday, I'm all right, I'm all right, I'm all right. The whole time you're dying inside. Would you stand up with me tonight as we begin to build an altar for the Lord in our hearts and in this place? Buddy, begin to lead. Just lift your hands like you're building an altar right there before him. The word I keep getting in my spirit right now is pursue and seek. Pursue and seek. Church is one of the paradoxes of the Christian life. You've already found God if you're saved. You've already, you're already in Him and with Him. But then there's that, that soul and spirit stretch of our faith to reach out for more of God, to pursue more of Him, for less of us and more of Him. So, Father, as we build an altar here tonight, as we've laid ourselves out before You, as we have asked You to speak to us and to our hearts, Lord, I pray You would lead each person into the place of consecrated prayer and fasting, of drawing and growing closer to You, through worship and prayer and spending time in your holy presence. Father, 
I pray that these next 21 days will be such days of miracles, such days of breakthrough, such days of answered prayer. But Lord, we say tonight collectively, even if they aren't, you are our exceedingly great reward. It's you, Jesus. We have everything we need when we are in and have you. So, Lord, we do not want to be like those who did not do your teaching and put it into practice because you said those people are like those who built sandcastles on the sand. And the wind came and the waves came and the wind blew and the house fell. Lord, put us on the proper foundation of you, your word, and the leading of the Holy Spirit in each person's life, in each person's heart. May our families grow closer together during this time. May our church family grow closer together and increase during this time. But Lord, we love you and we ask you for strength ahead, for helping us keep the distractions to a minimum and keeping our hearts and lives focused upon you. Lord, speak to our hearts during this time. Change things in us that need to be changed. We lay everything upon the altar tonight. We lay it before you and we take our hands off of it, believing that, God, you are the best worker of building the proper foundation and the spiritual house that you want in each of our lives. Father, I bless the people of Christian Center tonight. Father, I pray your richest and most awesome blessings upon their lives. May they be blessed as they've come in and may your blessings increase as they go out. May your face turns towards them and may you your countenance rise upon them and may you give them peace and rest and joy and goodness from your hand. Lord, in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand pleasure forevermore. Let us and help us get our eyes off the things of the world and let us focus on the things of heaven. The, the, the city... Lord, whose builder and maker and foundation is from God. Help us see the unseen. Help us believe the impossible. Lord, we continue to lift up our sister Lupita, believing that you are a miracle-working God. Let faith arise and let fear and sickness go. In Jesus' name, for anybody under the sound of my voice tonight that's struggling in their physical bodies, Lord, we lift up Frank tonight. Ask healing upon our brother Frank and many others who need a touch from heaven. Lord, touch, heal, deliver. We love and praise you, and we're careful to give you all the glory. Lord, watch over us until you bring us back together at your appointed time. In Jesus' holy name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Go in the name of the Lord, church, and be blessed. Thank you.